Amen. Amen. Good morning. Isaiah chapter 7 this morning, as we continue our series in the book of Isaiah. Where do we, the people of God, stand in a world of shifting sand? We live in a scary world. We live in a world that always has things that can cause us fear and anxiety and worry. The same was true in Isaiah's day. It's why God called the prophet Isaiah to give messages to the people of God. And a key verse in the book of Isaiah is Isaiah 12, 2, where Isaiah says, look, God is our deliverer. We will trust in him and not fear. That's what all of us need to learn to do. Because life is not going to remove the source of our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. They are always going to be there. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble and suffering. But be of good courage. I have overcome the world. Many times, even as Christians, we want God to remove the source of our fear, the source of our worry, the source of our anxiety, and that's never going to be the case. God says, trust me, that's how we overcome our fears, our anxieties, our worries. It's not in having our fears and anxieties and worries removed from us. It's learning to trust God more in the midst of those. And that's where we're going to be in Isaiah chapter 7. Remember a couple weeks ago when I had folks come up here and they sort of modeled for us the geography? I, I want to remind us all of that today. You have the, the little nation of Judah down here that now has been split off from the nation of Israel. So Israel's now two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And they are surrounded by the three superpowers of the Old Testament. Those nations that will continually be pressing upon them and, and causing them to be afraid, to be anxious, to be worried, unless they trust God. You have Egypt over here, you have Assyria to the north, and you have Babylon on this side. And they all will play a prominent part in the nation of Israel throughout the Old Testament. And that's exactly what is happening here, though not so much with those three nations, but now with the nation of Israel and the little nation of Syria banding together to now cause Judah and the leaders of Judah to be filled with angst and fear. A lot of times we don't get the end of the story first, but in Isaiah chapter 7, that's exactly where God takes us. He, he takes us to the end first and tells us, by the way, this all ended well. Everything was okay, but let me tell you how we got there, okay? So notice in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 1, 
that during the reign of Ahaz, son of Jotham, who, by the way, was a descendant of David, son of Uzziah, king of Judah, that King Rezin of Syria and King Pekah, uh, the son of Remaliah of Israel, marched up to Jerusalem to do battle, but they were unable to prevail or overcome it. So we know how things ended. That Judah now was being threatened by its northern neighbor Israel, which, by the way, were the same people of God that have now divided into two nations. It's one of the things that you see throughout the Bible that shows us the results of a people turning away from God is division amongst people. We see that, obviously, in our own country today, right? And then you have this little nation of Syria that Israel has said, hey, join us. We're going to go down and we're going to take Judah so that at least then with their resources and their extra people, we might be able to stand against the rising power of Assyria up here that's really casting a shadow over that area at this time. So notice, now we're rewinding and we're going to go back to the beginning. We see how it all ended. They weren't able to do it, but now God is going to show us how that all took place and what happened because it has a lot of relevancy for us today. It was reported to the family of David, okay, the Judah, Judah, that Syria has allied with Ephraim or Israel. So notice what that caused the people of Judah to do. They were literally shaking in their boots. They were emotionally shaken. It means to waver, to be trembling, to be quivering. They were shaking in their boots when they heard that Israel and Syria were coming against them. We sang about that this morning. We shall not be shaken. Well, guess what? The people of Judah, they were shaken. They were scared because of the news that Israel and Ephraim had joined forces, just as the trees of the forest shake before the wind. So notice what the Lord does. The Lord sends his prophet Isaiah to his people to comfort them, to strengthen them, to assure them, look, folks, you don't ever have to be emotionally shaken. You don't ever have to be quivering and shaking in your boots and, and trembling before anything. You have to learn in all circumstances of life, to trust me. I will not take the source of your fear away. What I will ask you to do at all times is to learn to trust me more. So the Lord told Isaiah, verse 3, this is the message I want you to go and talk to the leaders of Judah about and, and say to the people of Judah, go out with your son, Shershabub, to meet Ahaz at the end of the conduit of the upper pool, which is located on the road to the field where they wash and dry cloth. Couple of things. Notice that God asked Isaiah to take his son, his little son, a little boy. Beginning in Isaiah chapter 7, and for the next few weeks, 
And if you read Isaiah from this point on, you will notice in the next few chapters that children play a prominent role in God's plan and purpose. Why does God use children? Well, later on in the book of Isaiah, he tells us that in the millennial kingdom, that children shall lead us. And Paul even says in Corinthians that God chooses what the world considers to be weak things to confound those that are strong. He chooses foolish things to confound the wise. God's ways are not our ways. So God is picking out children here to send a message to his people who are quaking in their boots and shaking in their boots because of the report of this coming threat. And they meet at a very important location. Ahaz as the king is going out basically to inspect the water supply because one of the things that any leader in those days would be concerned about is the enemy going to uh, go through a siege, if you will, and cut off our water supply. And if they do that, then obviously we're cooked. So they're out there examining the water supply, seeing how things are going. But there's another reason why this place is significant. 34 years later, the king of Assyria is going to send a delegation to Judah and basically threaten them at the very same time. Think about that. So they go and notice the message that God says to send to his people through the prophet Isaiah. And I, I want to emphasize this because these words from God through Isaiah to his people are words that God would be saying to us today that even though we live in a scary world, even though there's going to be, as Jesus says, trouble and suffering, there's always going to be things that can be a source of fear and worry and anxiety. Here's God's message to his people. Tell him, make sure you stay calm and composed. Stop Freaking out, God is saying to his people. You're acting like you don't know God. You're acting like your God is not the sovereign God of the universe. You're acting like your God is no longer on the throne. You're acting as if your God is not in control. Stay calm and composed at all times, my people. The second thing he says, don't be afraid. God never tells his people that we should be afraid of anything or anyone. In fact, in the Hebrew, and I've shared this before, this word for being afraid literally means that God is saying to his people, don't stand in awe of anything or anyone but me. When we, as God's people, worship him and put him in his rightful place 
and that we are truly living and standing in all of him, then nothing else is going to cause us to be afraid because we have a healthy respect and reverence and fear of God and who he is. When fear comes in, we've lost our awe and wonder of God. So God is always saying to his people, stop being afraid. As Isaiah would say in 12.2, look, God is our deliverer. Isaiah's name means God is our salvation or salvation is from God. I will put my trust in him and not fear. Not fear. The way to overcome fear is not to have the source of our fear removed. It's to learn to trust God more. And the final thing God says through his prophet Isaiah to his people is don't be intimidated. It literally means don't be faint-hearted. Don't be weak. God is asking his people to be strong, to be strong spiritually, to be strong emotionally, to be strong physically, to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and his strength, as Paul even talks about in the New Testament. Stop being weak. Be strong. Don't be afraid. And stay calm and composed. And then God goes on to say through the prophet Isaiah to the king of Judah and to the people of Judah, these two leaders of Israel and Syria, notice how God describes them in verse 4. These are two stubs of smoking logs. Basically, God is picturing them as wood at the edge of a burnt-out fire. They're about ready to go out. Don't let them intimidate you. Even though their anger may be raging, God says you have nothing to be afraid of. It's all noise as far as I'm concerned. And notice what God does through the prophet Isaiah. He actually tells them, the king of Judah, Ahaz, and the people of Judah, what they've even been plotting. It reminds us God hears everything. God sees everything. God knows exactly what's going on. We don't, but God does. And God even wants to assure his people in that. I know what they've said. I know what they've plotted. I know what they're planning on doing. Notice, he says, Syria has plotted with Ephraim and the son of Remaliah to bring about your demise. They say, let's attack Judah, terrorize it, conquer it. Then we'll set up the son of Tobiel as its king. For this reason, the sovereign master, the absolute ruler of all things, Adonai, the Lord, says, it will not take place. It will not happen. God is basically saying through his prophet Isaiah to the people, stop shaking in your boots. Yeah, I know that they're planning on coming and attacking you and basically taking over your nation, but it's not going to happen. I'm not going to let it. Now, you either can trust me or you can just stay fearful. It's up to you. I'm not going to remove the source of fear. I'm not going to prevent them from coming down and attacking you. 
I want through that circumstance and through that situation to teach my people to trust me and overcome their fear, their source of anxiety and worry, not to have it removed, not to have it disappear. So they're basically, they've gotten the word from God himself through the prophet. This isn't going to happen, so you and I have a choice, right? Then he goes on in verse 8 to say, Syria's leader is Damascus. The leader of Damascus is Rezin. And notice what God says through the prophet. He says within 65 years, Israel or Ephraim isn't even going to exist as a nation. Who? You all are worried about these people? They're not even going to exist as a nation in, within 65 years. Because God knows what's going to happen before it happens. And again, even in that information, God is trying to comfort and reassure his people. I know what's coming. I know what's going to happen before it happens. So you've got to trust me. You don't know. I know. Trust me. And then God says this. And outside of what we saw in verse 4, Make sure you stay calm, don't be afraid, and don't be intimidated. The next thing I want to emphasize in this message today, because again, these could be words that God could speak into each of our lives today, and they would be just as relevant today as they were thousands of years ago in the day of Isaiah. And here's what God says to his people. If your faith, verse 9, does not remain firm, then you will not remain secure. You will not remain sure. You will not remain settled. You will not be stable. Notice, God ties our stability, our sense of security and surety and settledness to our faith, not to our circumstances, to our faith, you see. And God says it's got to be a continuing thing. If you're trusting me and putting your faith in me now, but you stop at any moment, then you will start to become unsettled, unsure, unstable, and insecure. So that's why God's people are called to a continuous faith to a continuous growing faith because at any time you and I stop trusting in God, we will start to become unstable and insecure. So where are God's people to stand in a world of shifting sand? We are to stand on the rock of Jesus. We are to stand on the foundation of God. We are to always trust in him. God is saying, Verse 9, if you don't trust me, if you don't rest in my word, you will not continue to be secure, stable, and settled. In a sense, God is saying, if you're not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. Faith, faith, trust is the key to remaining fearless and to being settled and stable and secure no matter what our circumstances are. It's not the removal of our circumstances. It's not the change of our situation that's going to make us feel better. It's going to be our faith and the increasing of our faith and trust in God 
that makes us feel better, if you'll use that kind of language. And what's the Bible say about faith? Faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God, which is exactly what God did through the prophet Isaiah. He sent his prophet, his spokesperson, to the people of God and said, here's my word. Are you going to believe it or not? Because God said, this invasion will not be successful. And we know from verse 1 that it wasn't. Guess what? God was right. But would the people of God trust him? Would the leaders of God's people trust? So notice then verse 10. The Lord again spoke to Ahaz. Ask for a confirming sign from the Lord your God. You can even ask for something miraculous. God comes to the leader of his people who represent his people and said, look, I'll even give you a gracious offer. I'll be willing to give you a confirmation, a, a, a sign of assurance so that you can stop being afraid because you're the leader. And if you're afraid, then that fear is going to trickle down into my people. I can't expect my people to be any more than my leaders. My leaders have to be fearless people who are stable and sure in me so that then the people have people to look to also as an example of what I'm calling you to be and do. But Ahaz, if you're the king and you're shaking in your boots, then all the people are going to be shaking in your, their boots too. So I'm willing as God to give you a sign. And notice God goes on to say, I'll do a miracle. From the highest height to the deepest depth is what the words in the Hebrew literally mean. I'll do whatever you ask so that you can be assured, so that my people will not be afraid as Israel and Syria begin to march against you. Notice Ahaz's response. I don't want to ask I don't want to put the Lord to the test. Ah, King Ahaz sounds so super spiritual, doesn't it? Oh, I, I don't want to test the Lord by asking for a confirming sign. But in this, Ahaz is actually covering up his lack of trust with a false spirituality. Here's a question we all need to ask ourselves at times. Are we avoiding trusting God? And here's how we know that Ahaz is really not being as spiritual as he's wanting to come across like he is. Because Ahaz has already relied on somebody else to be his stability, his safety, his security, and all of that. And you know who he turned to? He turned to the big superpower right north of them, Assyria. Go with me, keep your finger in Isaiah 7, and go back with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter 16. 2 Kings, chapter 16. We have a little bit of information here about why Ahaz doesn't really want to trust the Lord. You know why he doesn't want to trust the Lord? Because Ahaz has already put his trust in Assyria. Ooh. 
Look at it with me in 2 Kings chapter 16, verse 7. Ahaz sent messengers to King Tiglath-Pileser. Boy, don't we miss those Old Testament names? <laughs> of Assyria, saying, I am your servant and your dependent. March up and rescue me from the power of the king of Syria and the king of Israel who've attacked me. And then notice what Ahaz does. Oh, you want to talk about a no-no with God. Ahaz took the silver and the gold that were in the Lord's temple in the treasuries of the royal palace and sent it as tribute to the king of Assyria. Can you imagine what Tiglath-Pileser thought He's sitting there in Assyria. He's now becoming Assyria, the superpower of the world. And he has this messenger come into his, you know, palace. And he says, you're never going to believe what, what happened today. And the king goes, what? He says, the king of Judah, King Ahaz, he sent you all this money to protect him. And I'm sure the king of Assyria said, he did what? Yeah, he sent all this money to you to basically buy your protection against Israel and Syria. He was like, wow, I wasn't expecting that, but I'll take it. I'll take it. And he did. You see, Ahaz was trusting in treasuries and in treaties with other nations more than he was trusting in his God. He wasn't being super spiritual by saying, oh, God, I, I don't want to ask for a sign. The reason he didn't want to ask for a sign, he'd already settled it. In his mind, he's already got his security and stability. He's leaning and depending upon the king of Syria and the nation of Assyria rather than the sovereign master of the universe. So let's go back to Isaiah chapter 7. So Isaiah replied, verse 13, pay attention or listen carefully, family of David. Now it's, it's gotten bigger. And we're not just talking to the King Ahaz here. We're talking because you all are descendants of David. Do you consider it too insignificant to try the patience of men? Is that why you are also trying the patience of God? So for this reason, the sovereign master, the absolute ruler of the universe is going to give you a sign whether you want it or not. And here's the sign. A young woman is about to conceive and will give birth to a son, and this young woman will name him Emmanuel, which means with us is God. Now, I believe in a near partial fulfillment of this prophecy. I also believe in a far complete fulfillment of this prophecy. Obviously, the New Testament applies this prophecy to the birth of Jesus, to Emmanuel. When Jesus came in Bethlehem, he was God with us. But I also believe that at that moment in history that there was a young woman who had a son and who named him Emmanuel to remind the people of God, even in Isaiah's day, you realize your God is always with you. Why are you not trusting him? Why are you fearful? Why are you depending on Assyria to defend you and to be your source of stability and strength and, and security rather than your God? God is with us. 
And again, I would say that that is the next real relevant message from God even to us today. Besides staying calm and composed and besides not being afraid and not being intimidated, besides not having our faith continuing to be firm in him, otherwise we will never be secure and stable, God is saying to us today, I'm with you. I'm with you. Why are you afraid? You have nothing to be afraid of because I'm with you always. And as Jesus even said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why are you allowing things to be a source of worry and concern and anxiety and fear? I am the sovereign master of the universe, and I'm always with you. And being with God's people doesn't speak to his omnipresence. Yeah, God's everywhere. No, it's his relational presence. It's a presence that brings strength and comfort and assurance and fearlessness and confidence and all these things. It's that kind of presence. It's different from just God being here. God is here, but God wants to be with his people in such a way that they do not fear and that they find their ultimate source of security, strength, and stability in him and not in anything or anyone else. And again, we know that ultimately this was fulfilled when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. That's why Isaiah chapter 7 is used a lot around the Christmas season. But then notice what God says, and I'm just going to jump here to verse 17 of Isaiah 7. He tells King Ahaz through Isaiah, the Lord is going to bring on you and your people and your father's family a time unlike any since Ephraim departed from Judah and the nation of Israel split into two. And that is the king of Assyria. In other words, invasion is coming one day upon you. So think about this. God is saying to the king, the very nation that is now your security and stability instead of me, the very nation you're relying and depending upon to, to save you is the very nation 34 years later that's going to turn on you and seek to destroy you. Basically, God's saying, do you see how foolish it is not to trust me and to trust others? And God is saying the same thing to his people today. There is no doubt we live in a scary world. There is no doubt there's always things that can be a source, a great source of fear, anxiety, and worry. God understands that. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble and suffering. God never paints an unrealistic picture of how scary it can be to live in the world. God understands that better than we do because he sees everything and knows everything. But God is saying, I don't care what is happening in your world. 
I don't care what's happening in your life. I want you to learn that in all circumstances and in all life's situations, no matter what the source of fear, anxiety, and worry is, you can overcome those things by just learning to trust in me and rest in my word. If your faith does not remain firm, then you will not remain secure. Trust me, God says. Because it's in learning to trust him completely that we'll never have to live a day being afraid. We can live every day standing in awe of God alone and not allowing anything else to be in, for us to be in awe of. And so, what a relevant message. How relevant is it for us to hear from God? Stay calm, stay composed, don't be afraid, don't be intimidated. Keep your faith firm in me and you will be secure. I am with you. I'm with you. I am Emmanuel. I'm going to ask Nicole and our worship team to come at this point. And as they're coming, I really believe God wants all of us to take this opportunity of worship at the end of our service to lay down whatever fears we've brought into this room or maybe those that you're carrying in your home today as you're watching us live stream, to lay down that source of anxiety and worry and to say, God, I'm going to trust you. Now listen, I get it. You may have to go back this afternoon and lay it back down again because <laughs> you've picked that fear back up. I get it. It's, it's a moment-by-moment -moment thing sometimes in our life. When those fears and those worries and those anxieties grab a hold of us, sometimes it's like we've got to just continually lay it down. But, but I think that that's what God wants us to do in this moment right now. Based upon our worship today that Nicole's led us through and this team's led us through, and based upon the word of God that we've heard from him today through the prophet Isaiah, God is saying to us today all, will you lay down your fear? Lay down your anxiety, lay down your worry at my feet and trust me, trust me. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and we're going to sing in Christ alone. And I hope that this song will be a declaration of our faith, of our trust, of our resting in the word of God, not only the written word of God, but Jesus, the living word of God today, and to just scoop up all of our fears, all of our worries, all of our anxieties, all the things that are causing us angst in our life and saying, God, I'm trusting you in all of it. Father God, we pray today that you would draw your people to a greater sense of, of trust and faith in you. God, you have told us that when our faith remains firm in you, then we're firm, we're secure, we're stable, we're sure. That's where our strength comes from. So God, I pray today that each of us would lay our fears down today and that we would trust you and you alone. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? And let's sing in Christ alone.